Welcome to the Raindrop Corner Podcast, an affirming space for people who seek to enrich the human experience. This is a place where real-life superheroes and creatives get to share their magic without censorship, and I'm your host, Kay. This episode was really fun to do and refreshing as well. Our guest this week was Rena Friedman-Watts, who is an all-around great human being. Um, She is the host of the Better Call Daddy podcast, an entrepreneur, and she's also a champion of other entrepreneurs in her quest to help them get seen by enriching whatever enterprise that they have. And it was a really good conversation about how to navigate obstacles in the sense of being someone who leaves home and essentially has to navigate not knowing as much about certain spaces and how to become adaptable versatile in those spaces and also we talk about our love for storytelling we talk about you know maybe tips and tricks that you should do as a business owner whether you're going into business with someone or you're going into business with yourself so a lot of really cool useful tips there from someone who has been in a variety of industries for quite some time i hope you all enjoy this episode as much as i enjoyed recording it and without further ado Here is an ode to our guest. I measure the growth of my spirit in phases, curled fingers that pulled the little Jewish girl into a place of unrest. Passive aggressive words said in jest, good hugs that echoed temporary tempering, misunderstood directions that framed teenage projections. I hated my reflection. I measure the growth of my spirit in phases, time spent in school bathrooms, brief, quiet but sad seconds, illustrated in assailants, still vitriol and painful shoves were adjacent while she had the nerve to call me complacent, as if I owe the oppressor and a contrived narrative repayment. I measure the growth of my spirit in phases, the desire to break free, tears of sporadic glee, and the not knowing who he or she wanted me to be. My dad cradling me with promised comforts it took a while to see. My power enveloped in a tower, I dared to shatter. I measure the growth of my spirit in phases, crystalline howls of educations away from home. Now I'm in the zone, blissfully less alone and only obligated to heated conversations over the phone, embracing an unknown that carves sculpture from stone. Am I home? I measure the growth of my spirit in phases, invisible cages among masterful sages, weaving grand tales that color my fears in diamonds, assured stipends that entice me like seductive sirens, and yet I was chewed up and spit out by lions. I measure the growth of my spirit in phases, a typical waxing and waning of a self-appointed moon. I became the stressful part of being an adult all too soon, but created my own boon. Happy and ambitious musings on warm afternoons. There is no spoon. I measure the growth of my spirit in phases, the iridescence of my child, and how I felt when they smiled, the hateful temples that I defiled, only to reclaim them as wondrous and wild. I take pride in my ability to beguile, to entice and redefine the senses in a steady stream of incontrovertible command. I understand that in my hands, this personal journey was always meant to be grand. I measure the growth of my spirit in phases. I am the iteration of a mission that acknowledges it amazes. So I measure the growth of my spirit in phases. I'm super excited about this episode. Today, our guest is Rena Friedman Watts, who is the host of the Better Call Daddy podcast, the founder of Mega Watts Productions, and a master at helping entrepreneurs get seen, and probably one of the most versatile people that I've ever met. <laughs> so I just, I'm so grateful to have you on the show today. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. Honored to be here. 
I'm honored to have you. And you said earlier that you had some cool stories for me. So yes, <laughs> no, I put today, you on the spot. Today I did a shoot live mm-hmm. and there is honestly, I mean, I love doing it over Zoom, but live is something that I have been pushing myself to do more of this year. And I feel, I felt like today was like, I've reached the next level and doing it live. People don't usually think that I have a fear of public speaking or of performing in front of an audience or doing live interviews, but I actually do. And it's something that I've pushed myself to do over the last year. And it's just, oh my gosh, the more you do it, really, truly, the more comfortable you become doing it and the better you get at it. That's why I always tell people, like, before even starting your own podcast, I really think that you should get on at least 10 to 20 others because the more that you tell your story, the more that you crystallize your story, the more comfortable you are going to be telling it and interviewing others. That's such a good point because you can, at least for me, I see I didn't do that. (laughs) I didn't go on other podcasts and I kind of went in cold and much to your point that you brought up earlier where you've gotten really good at just doing live shows i became a better podcaster through doing live shows when i worked at a radio studio because like you have to be on air and you get so used to seeing other people speak and interview and you kind of get a general idea of how this could go or this is what i do with my lighting or all I have to do is do X, Y, Z, and then I'll just do the best I can. And it starts to feel a little bit less stressful. That's awesome. I'm so happy for you that you were able to to get back into doing live shows. Because I imagine with the pandemic that you've been doing a lot of remote work. Yes, mostly remote work. And gosh, you just appreciate being in person yes. now. And I feel like it's just brought out like this whole new creativity in me. And when you collaborate with other creative content creators in person, you see how they hold the camera. You see the shots that they're taking. Mm -hmm. You stand at the angle that they're standing at. And you can throw ideas out there and see like how they would do that. And so today was that. It was like I interviewed a girl who just got done finishing her first documentary oh, sweet. and she had been on my show about a year ago so mm-hmm. just to see her progress of even telling her story and what was creating a documentary like and what's her next documentary going to be and then working with the photographer that was a part of a magazine shoot that I did around body positivity and he had never seen me interview he had only seen me as part of this magazine and he had met my daughter but now he got to see my daughter like behind the scenes of me interviewing and so it just Every time you collaborate with other creatives and they see you do different things, it's just a deeper connection and and you feed off each other. I just, I loved how we used his light sticks. I loved how, you know, the videographer and the photographer complimented each other and how they were talking and how they were comparing notes. And then I loved, you know, getting updates on the guest story and, oh, just... Her story is crazy. Like, she has a very rare form of muscular dystrophy. Mm-hmm. She was told that she wouldn't live past two years old. Not only did her parents say, like, you know, God gave me you, and I'm a doctor, and doctors miss things, but, you know, like, she didn't just sit in a wheelchair. She's walking, she's climbing mountains, she's entering body uh, building competitions. Like, they said she wouldn't live to two. She's 22. Now she's making documentaries. Now she wants to jump out of planes. Now That's she's awesome. collaborating with ultra uh, endurance athletes. And, you know, you want to reach new peaks. You want to reach new levels. You better collaborate with the best of the best and collaborate with people who you admire. You're so right, though, because when they are people that you admire, you're just you're more invested with the story that they're telling. And even you mentioning collaborating with other creatives, there's this kind of synergy that happens whenever you're able to just see how someone else is working in a variety of different facets. And it's so cool that you got to do that and see her growth from, you know, coming on your show a year before to now doing this documentary. And the second guest was the same 
thing. I was producing a healthcare podcast and she was one of the star guests. And I was like, hey, you know, why not take that relationship that I made now that that show is no longer on Mm -hmm. and take some of the best guests and continue them, right? So I actually did like a three-hour pre-interview with this guest and I found out so much more about her story. I mean, she's been a loyal employee for, you know, almost 40 years. She's been an entrepreneur, a single mom. She's continuing her education. She started a company after 9-11 happened Mm -hmm. to make nursing homes and assisted livings more prepared for emergencies. And she has a whole business and it's nationwide now around emergency preparedness. So I was even telling her, I was like, you know, all these webinars that you've done and all of these, you know, like white papers that you've written. I'm like, everyone needs a podcast now. You can do a podcast around emergency preparedness. You could. You can. And, and I also said, too, like, all of these disasters that you've overcome in your personal life, that may tie into the emergency preparedness of the work that you do. And if you tell that story and create that know, like, and trust factor, people are going to want to work with you and trust you and do business with you. And so, again, it was like such an up-level because I knew their stories already, but I got to continue them and up-level them. And you just never know what that's going to turn into. I just love that word, up-level. It's it's such, it's a power word, it feels like. And I just, I think that people need that too. Because most people, everybody has a story of some kind. They're just very varied. And a lot of times people just need that person that allows them to kind of unlock the power of their story. Um, a lot of times people go around not thinking that, you know, they're all that remarkable or that they're all that special. So it's really cool that you got to talk to some amazing people who do amazing things. And on that note, and this is just something that I felt from you the moment I listened to your podcast and got to know a little bit more about who you are, you can tell that you are absolutely in love with stories. So on that note, Um, Was there a moment in your life when you realized just how much stories and specifically providing platforms for others to tell their stories meant a lot to you? It was more than just you liking the story, but you wanting to kind of put that into practice in your work? That is such a good question. You know, like you, I started in radio. Oh, cool. And yeah, I used to come the newswire for stories that I felt like I could relate to and maybe jazz up, embellish, you know, tell in a creative way, because kind of when they come across the newswire, they always need editing. Mm -hmm. So that is really where I feel like my roots were. But it wasn't until I think getting my first job on the Jerry Springer show where that is where I was like, oh, wow some of these stories like really light you up i can imagine totally out there and the more of them you hear it was just like they couldn't get juicy enough you know like i just wanted more and more and more juice that i think really lit my fire there because i was going through so many calls a week where they Mm -hmm. had to get weirder or crazier sadder or more emotional i was hungry the hunger started there I like that. The hunger. What were you looking for specifically in these stories that you looked into in the stories that you helped people tell? What was your core focus? Yeah, that also is such a great question. You know, hindsight is always 2020, but like looking back, I had a lot of insecurities and I was bullied. And so the stories that really spoke to me were people that like didn't take shit from others (laughs) I still love those people actually one of the ladies who I interviewed today was like you know what I've been through abortion I've been through a abusive uh, parent I've been through abusive marriage and I left all that and you know what even leaving one of those things is bold as heck because there are so many people that won't even leave one of those situations and she is loyal as can be I mean she's worked for a company for 40 years she's been a loyal entrepreneur for 20 you know she's made her business go nationwide but when she is not treated properly she stands up for herself and i wanted to find people that did that i love that so much there are so many other people out there that feel like they don't have any power they aren't seen so to speak 
So being able to see stories like that of people who decided that they weren't going to take any shit off people. And even if they did for some time, they kind of learned how to navigate past that. It's just such an important story to show to people. And on that note, I do want to talk about your podcast. So I do want to talk about the Better Call Daddy podcast. And it's a podcast that's dedicated to bringing people together through allowing them to talk about their journey. So are there specific untruths that you learned prior to creating your podcast in terms of how you approach guest storytelling? That's a tough one. I would say one lesson I learned from television production is don't try to make people that something that they're not. And I have tried to make people what they're not. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you an example of that. Like if somebody is weird and shy or quirky, mm-hmm. don't try to make them over the top. Don't try to make them an explosive guest. Like there's beauty in the way that everyone shows up. Mm-hmm. There's beauty in the way that everyone tells their story. So you kind of got to just guide, but not change, not force. And that is something that I have learned over the years. And, you know, I have an appreciation, too, now for people that can share all of, like, what this guest Connie shared today. Because mm-hmm. some people, and myself included, I am still learning how to share, you know, parts of myself. Um, that I'm not proud of. Which is valid. I have, yeah, I have so much respect for people that have gotten over that barrier Mm -hmm. that are like, I know my beauty lies there. I know my strength lies there. I know my purpose lies there. I was born because of what I have gone through and everything that I've gone through is okay. I have massive respect for that too. It's really hard to even talk in like general conversation and to be so vulnerable and raw. And for some people, it's not hard because they just, they are very comfortable with their experience, even though it made them feel a wide range of emotions, I'm sure. But that's hard, especially when you're going on a show where it's going to be streamed and other people are going to listen to it and hear it and might perceive it in a specific kind of way, especially when there are like family and friends involved that might hear it too. But at the same time, there's something really beautiful about that because I feel like there are so many stigmas around what we should do and what we shouldn't say to where we get really uncomfortable, right? When someone tells a story that's really raw and gripping, but deep down, I find that those are the stories that resonate with people the most. And it it allows them to realize that it's not just them going through the things that other people suffer and have things to overcome too. And the way that they're feeling is not abnormal. You know, my favorite quote, and my daughter actually changed it. <laughs> I, my favorite quote used to be, I was once beautiful, but now I'm myself. Mm-hmm. I loved I like that. that. And she said, I was once beautiful and I still am. And that confidence, I just appreciate so much, especially at her age. She's 11. Oh, that's awesome. She's we so live, beyond her age. Yes, yes, yes. We live in a neighborhood that is very covered up. It's a religious Jewish neighborhood. And my daughter walked to the park on Shabbos yesterday in a t-shirt and short shorts. And she's Aww. like, we're If they want to look at me weird, that's on them. And I was just like, God bless you, child. I love that because I'm not confident enough to do that. That says a lot about you, though, as a mom, because she's comfortable in her own. I put my arm around her. I didn't say a thing, but I was like, hell yeah, that's my daughter. I love it. I love it. I just, I love the bond that you have with your daughter and her confidence. And I also really love the bond that you have with your dad. Your podcast is called Better Call Daddy. And you call your daddy your best friend. And I want to know, has hosting the podcast brought you two even closer together? And seeing as you both come from different generations, do you find that you get an even bigger perspective when you talk to these varying guests as a result of that? Yes, and I also actually give my dad pushback because, you know what, I love my dad and my dad will stay on the phone with me and put up with all of my stuff, good and bad, Mm -hmm. but we don't always agree. And we've actually, and I haven't really talked so much about this, but we've had years, we've had rough years, Mm -hmm. you know, like my teenage years and my years of working in television and 
wanting to stand on my own two feet and be self-centered, those were tough where I, you know, wasn't checking in as much. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, now that I'm a mom of four and I am a business owner and a podcaster and I, I just, I, I admire that my dad has like reinvented him and my dad is pretty open-minded. I mean, he's willing to discuss all kinds of topics. He seems like he is from the episodes I've heard. And he's irreverent and, you know, sometimes curses and has offended a few guests. And, you know, I like his realness factor. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny because as a kid, his realness factor actually embarrassed me. Um, and, (laughs) and, And he'll laugh about that too. But yeah, he might not be the most in fashion and you know, he, uh, <laughs> that's, that's definitely still the case. You know, he's from the, he was, uh, from New York, mm-hmm. moved to Boston in high school and then raised me in Kentucky. So he definitely stuck out and he was okay with that. He has always, you know, beat his own drum and done his own thing and been a real family guy and, He's taken care of both of his parents and he's been there for his daughters. And I, I respect that. And he stayed with my mom through ups and downs, you know? So I think sharing that perspective with the world, I think he's a solid guy. Mm-hmm. And I think that the world needs that. The world needs these like boomers, these old fashioned people to, to weigh in with some of their old school, you know, experiences Oh gosh, I I agree with that so much. I was just talking with someone recently about this because we were just talking about how divisive, like how much more divisive things are now and how if you go to any news report, any like explosive news report on any social media site, you'll find a combination of millennials and people who are older who are essentially going back and forth And they're both kind of casting the other person aside before they even have the opportunity to listen to what the other person is saying. And I've just found that my perspective has just grown so much and I have become a better ally, a better daughter, a better wife, a better friend, a better colleague through other people's perspectives and being able to have conversations with them it doesn't mean always agreeing but being able to just have a conversation um and talk about why you feel that way so thank you for I sharing told him, i was like dad we're gonna be talking about abortion coming up just to let you know yeah <laughs> and like we talked about you know i interviewed a guy that was a sperm donor and they didn't necessarily see eye to eye that was one that got a little agitated mm-hmm. and just talked about things that we never would have talked about before and I think that that's important I think that that has helped our relationship blossom and I think that maybe it'll encourage other people to have these conversations with their parents or relatives even that you know they feel divided with maybe they'll send them an episode and say hey you can talk about these things it was a study done recently I think at Northwestern University but it was basically about how most loved ones don't really have deep and philosophical conversations they will gossip and talk about work and talk about family and maybe what their likes dislikes are entertainment and things of that nature but them getting into really nuanced conversations where they know about each other's passions and goals and thoughts on these very important issues isn't a conversation that comes up very often in households. And I just, I found that very fascinating because we always have such an explosive or reactive opinion when we see it in other places, but we don't have these conversations with the people around us as much. You know what else too? I feel like online and with even maybe like people who are acquaintances and Mm -hmm. whatnot, like you can have one online disagreement and just completely write off people. I don't think that's right. I agree with that. I feel like if it's something for me, if it's something that's like wildly human rights related and it has to do with like the well-being of someone, that is one that depending on the severity, I can excuse. But I feel like just a difference of opinion on something is a bit much. I've seen so much of that. And a lot of it, it was happening before the pandemic, but I feel like people being at home and having more access to social media just made them more 
likely to just get angry and delete someone. I um I was laughing because I had just been talking to someone and it wasn't even a disagreement, but we were talking about they them pronouns and they're like, I want to know, explain it to me. And they used um, the example that they gave just wasn't relevant. And I'm like, no, it probably be more of this line of thought. And I gave them resources to look into if they wanted to. And they deleted me. I'll drop those resources now. <laughs> and they <laughs> will drop them. And they sent me a message saying, I really respect you as a person, but I really don't want to be educated on they, them pronouns. And I started giggling. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, you asked me <laughs> this question and didn't like the answer because you felt like I was undermining you somehow. It's just like small things. I feel like nobody's listening anymore. Like, not nobody, but there's a lot of people out there that don't quite listen. So I really enjoy the fact that you have that very varied conversation on your podcast and it kind of gives way for different perspectives. And you also welcome people to kind of engage in the conversation, which I really like as well. But I want to talk about your superpowers a little bit because when I was reading, you know, doing the normal podcaster thing that we do where we stalk our guests. Totally. I was reading that you were saying that your top five strengths are the ability to woo, be an activator, communicate, just be a positive person and be empathetic. And I was thinking on that and I'm like, that must take a ton of self-awareness and just growth. So how do you become confident in skills like that? It's definitely uh, something that I think happens over time. Like I was just telling you about that guest that I interviewed today, like very superficially knew each other with the first interview I might have had like a half hour conversation with her but then for you know the fact that I was going to interview her today in person I wanted to know her a whole lot better so I took three and a half hours you know not only that but I'd gone to lunch with her in person and I'd had a three and a half hour conversation to win people over it's an investment Mm -hmm. it really is it's not just listening to them on other podcasts. It's not just stalking their social media. It's really caring about the person. It's not being rushed. It's engaging in what they put out there. It's, it's asking good questions. It's knowing about their family. It's checking in with them on holidays, on, you know, Mother's Day. It's, it's so many things. Um, yeah. Thank you for, for saying that. Um, I think it's such an important facet to speaking with someone, to interviewing them, to getting to know them, and to inviting someone onto your platform. Some of the most meaningful interactions that I've had have come from guests. And it's, you oh, know, yes. because, you know, you're reaching out to have conversations and to talk with them and to find out what they're passionate about and what they want to talk about. And it just, it's connection. And there's so many ways to get it. But I I really love that, truly. I want to build off of what you just said there because some of my best guests have come from my best guests. Mm -hmm. So that is something that I always say in sending my guests their assets or, you know, their promo clip, their thumbnail, the links to their episode. I say, Hey, if there's anybody that's a great guest like you, send them my way. Because if you connect to someone Mm -hmm. great, they know great people. So some of my best guests have come from my best guests. And another thing is I would say, be open to ideas that you never would have thought of yourself. So like, you know, I had a 10th grader reach out to me. This is one of my favorite stories. Mm-hmm. And he was doing a report on the Oscar Stewart protector of Poway. Mm-hmm. That story wasn't covered as much as the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting, but mm-hmm. it also was a shooting and it was anti-Semitic. And I had interviewed the guy who stopped the shooting. And so he mm-hmm. wanted to bring awareness around the other shooting. And he said, hey, do you have 10 or 15 minutes of, of your time I wanted to include you in my school report I was so taken aback That's by that awesome. and 
I said, I would love to record it. I'll turn it into a mini episode and, and I'll give you all the raw footage. Like, how can I support you? Right. So that was something unexpected and beautiful. And I loved that. And I that actually, I've had the most response from that. And then, you know, I've had people send me news stories or I've had people send me ideas and I, I listen to them. I don't do all of them, but even if I don't do that exact idea, it might give me another idea or I might do something similar. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a podcaster, I would say be open to, to spins or variations of what you're doing. You have to be because people are, are they change you have to be adaptable to people and you also have to be adaptable to the market. Sometimes that means evolving. That means taking on stories in a new and poignant way. You and I, you know, we've had things going on in our life. I'm a mom. You've been going through some health stuff. You know, we have a lot going on. Everyone has a lot going on. And I think flexibility yes. is such an important thing. Like, I sometimes forget to calendar things mm-hmm. you know I I want to connect with so many people I get excited about every opportunity and you know what I mess up and if somebody messes up once give them some slack I, I had a mess up today you know and this this girl Lily who I interviewed she said look I've got muscular dystrophy I can train I can drink and eat the right foods I can work with the right trainer I can be mentally fit and I can wake up my body says no right Mm -hmm. I can put things on the calendar I can hire all the right people I can write the most beautiful script I can do three hours of preparation and then I can have a baby that gets a fever overnight if the pandemic has changed one thing for the positive it's that people aren't going places sick anymore people are allowed to have their children in the background people are allowed to be freaking human yep I I think that we need to be more flexible try to be slow to anger try to give people the benefit of the doubt and try to be flexible i think that also builds relationships it does because you never know what's going on with someone's life uh, or in someone's life and much like you said i mean we you get busy you're a mom you have other things going on and i know you know you just had a lot of life changes recently too so like you're having to balance work on top of all that and with myself like i'm healing from a really bad knee injury um i don't have cancer anymore but i'm still healing from those effects so it's like i'm not gonna tell the guest all this but i'm just gonna tell them hey i have some chronic things going on (laughs) that i might have to work through so if i have to push this back kind of thing but it's hard to navigate that and i think it's also giving yourself grace during that flexibility so that you don't beat yourself up or you don't beat the person that you're supposed to meet with up during that process i'm also to be perfectly honest like really becoming just more in flow Mm -hmm. of where I'm like, you know what? I truthfully believe that everyone connects when they should. Agreed. And like, if it doesn't happen when it was calendared, then you needed to experience something else before you guys met. Call it what you will, but I am definitely, especially because my life is so just crazy right now and Mm -hmm. chaotic and, you know, so much going on and so much out of my control. You just can't, get so worked up about everything that doesn't go as planned. Agreed. I agree with that. And I think that you stress a lot less when you have that mindset, when you're not like trying to hurry to the next thing. You're just doing the best that you can do in that moment. Outside of your podcast, I do want to talk um, a little bit about your experience in a various amount of industries. You've worked in marketing, public relations, production, editing and probably like 20 other things that I haven't listed yet. (laughs) So let me ask you, how did you, how did you gravitate towards this line of work? Have you always wanted to kind of be engrossed in these fields? Yeah, that's a great question. To be honest, like, I feel like my family always like wanted to be in the entertainment industry and like praised that industry so much. My God, my mom put me in modeling and dance lessons and 
all of these, you know, like performing arts. I went to a performing arts high school. The thing is, is that I love to sing and I love to collaborate with other creatives, Mm -hmm. but I didn't love the stage. I really preferred behind the scenes. I was not one of those people that lit up when I got out there and Mm -hmm. had an audience. That wasn't actually me, but I did love the whole um, artist community. Yeah. I love the artist community. I music just completely uh, lights up my soul, mm-hmm. um, and so that was part of my calling, I think. And I, I had a love for radio. I found radio. I tried that. I worked for a news station. I tried all the various aspects of that. I learned how to run the audio board. Cool. Worked alongside the audio engineer. I did some local commercials. Um, I did some floor directing, some chirons. I tried so many different aspects, which then builds on itself. And then you learn all of those pieces to find what I liked and didn't like doing. And even when, you know, I moved from the talk show industry to working in LA, I tried field interviewing. I tried assistant editor. I tried post-production supervisor. I, I tried so many different roles, which is great because you can find what you like doing and you can outsource the other work. And now I have finally gotten to that point where, you know, I have an editor that I work with. I have a camera guy that I, I have multiple camera guys that I work with. I now have a photographer that I love. I have copywriters that I work with. Right. So you, but you got to know how to do all of those things in order to find the people who do those things better than you and do them in a way in which you can team up with them. That's true. Finding finding the people can be the hard part of that. I'm I bet like you said that like having that experience just has to make that process easier. Oh gosh. Yeah, and sometimes I'm like, hmm, I could write this social media post or I could make over this person's profile or I could split it with a copywriter get the referral fee and I'd be good with that right now with the workload that I have going on. And it just keeps up my relationship with, you know, that person. So sometimes I refer, sometimes I do it. You know what I mean? It there just you go. on the load. That's, that's one of the things that I kind of stress to people who are doing any kind of endeavor where there is work that they should not be doing. Um, I always tell people to delegate, that it's so important to just know how to do that, to know what you love to do and what you don't want to do, because the thing that you don't want to do is the thing that someone else needs to be doing for you. And someone else is great at. Mm-hmm, exactly. I do want, I do wonder, because you've gone through so many different fields, as you're transitioning from working under others to working primarily for yourself with the podcast and with your business, what obstacles have you personally experienced during that transition? Oh, God. You name it, I've experienced it. But the, the roughest one was when I was working in the financial industry mm-hmm. and I had an offer to partner up with someone who wanted me to leave the firm mm-hmm. and then partner up with him. So basically I was putting on these like lunch and learn steak dinners where I got all these financial advisors to come and, you know, I I helped do the marketing around it and I brought the people to the party and I was good at it. I honestly feel like I could bring people to the party in any industry and I've done it in many industries. I've done it in the telecom space. I've done it in the financial space. I've done it in the entrepreneur space. I've done it working for influencers, but this guy like offered to like literally share his Rolodex with me. He was like, oh, wow. I want to work with you. I don't want to work with the guy that you're working with. Mm-hmm. I'm like working for. <laughs> and I left a salary position with the potential of being an entrepreneur and partnering with this guy. But he totally used my connections and used my marketing chops and put on an event with me and flew me out there. And I did all this work for seven months and did not collect. Oh, he wow. got me out took my relationships, cut out the middlemen, and he gave me just reimbursement, essentially, for all of my expenses. But, like, that was a very tough lesson to learn. I didn't have solid contracts in place. I had, you know, business cards that he made me and a video that we made together. But, you know, I brought the people to the party, and he was a shark. 
close that business without me and didn't keep up his word and didn't keep up. And, and, and the lender that I introduced him to, mm-hmm. they also were like, who cares? Business is business. We're going to collect. He's going to collect. And we don't really need you. You were the one that introduced us. And that, that was really that tough. Sucks. There, there, there are some sharks out there. And if you are not protected, so, you know, I think you need to have business insurance. I think you need to have mm-hmm. a lawyer involved in big negotiations and uh, you got to background check the people you do business with. You know, I should have looked at his, his business bureau rating. I should have gotten maybe even some references because they weren't good. And I learned that afterwards. That was a really tough. Oh, my God. I had a miscarriage, too. Oh, wow. It. Yeah. It, it definitely uh, affected me mentally and physically, I would say. That is incredibly Um, rough to go through and to just like in having, you know, a family and to take care of yourself and just like the weight of having a miscarriage around, you know, working with someone for seven months and not getting paid for it. That was so brutal. What other lessons have I learned? You know, I I thought it's funny because you said you want to talk to me about sponsorships, how I got into sponsorships actually is goes alongside with that financial services story. So mm-hmm. I had hired Gary Vee's event producer to help me produce one of these financial events. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, wow, you know, she's producing events with 2,500 people. I'm just looking to get 50 to 75 people in the room. But these were all qualified people. So they had to be, you know, uh, they had to have a certain amount of business and they had to have certain clientele and they all were qualified. But it was a different ask than what she was doing. And she came up with creative ideas around how to make the event marketable and have good titles and have good graphics and things like that. But then getting the people in the room was, you know, it was a different uh, people than she was used to getting in the room. And so it didn't end up working out, but we worked really well together in the trenches. And so mm-hmm. when she found out that I left that company, she ended up hiring me back. And she oh, said, hey, awesome. like, yeah, she was like, Hey, would you like to work on this? Gary Vee event. I was like, oh, hell yeah, that's much more my speed. That's much more my crowd. That's much more my people. And I knew nothing about booking sponsors, but she had a list of brands that she wanted to be involved in her event. And she had a track record of bringing people to the party. And she had amazing branding and amazing lineup. And I was just like, I love Gary Vee. I love the event that you're putting together. Let's give it a shot. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I agreed to work for her, one, for the opportunity to because I believed in what she was putting together and just loved the vibe of everything. And I was like, I'll do it for a percentage. And so for that first opportunity, I literally worked for a 20% commission and that was it. And so what I learned from that is one, you got to charge people for your time. You do. (laughs) But it was worth it because I actually booked a couple sponsors and I learned what worked and didn't work there. And I got myself to Toronto. I got to meet Gary V. I got to be a part of the media junket and I made invaluable relationships at that event that I still keep up with people from that event today. That's amazing. And I love how you were just, you're able to turn that situation into something positive, like going through something that's harrowing with someone who is just being honest, a jackass and having to navigate that. And then just growing and diving into sponsorships which you weren't familiar with and then becoming someone who was a subject matter expert at it down the line as time went on so that's that's pretty neat i i am very impressed with your ability to just dive into a space and just kind of own that space after a while thank you yeah it led to me booking sponsors on other events and then it led to me working with other influencers. And then it led to me helping other influencers book their events. Mm-hmm. It's just like one one tweak after another, right? Let me try this influencer. Let me try this. Let me get paid more. Let me take on multiple clients. It mm-hmm. all builds on itself. Let it me try really, it. Okay, I like it. Okay, I don't like it. It really does. I, I don't think that I realized how interconnected things were until I started taking it seriously. And I'm like, oh, I can build a business, but oh, I have this other thing. Oh, they can actually work together. It's what you're saying um, 
it's just a very interesting concept. A lot of times we look at things as separate parts when really they can work together. Oh my God. Even working next to this photographer today, I was like, I, I was like, first of all, how did you get so good at editing? How did you get that eye for what you are creating? I just love your work. And then when you compliment somebody like that, they're, they're, he's like, you know, I studied from this person. I'm self-taught. I was like, oh, my God. I was, and then I even said to my camera guy, I was like, I really think there could be synergy here. Because, like, mm-hmm. you know, you guys are using the same gear. You're working in the same space. Like, what can you learn from each other? You both really want to please. You're both really patient. You both have an eye. Ah, I just – and then I was like, how come you haven't created a course? Like, so many people would love to learn how you make those shots, how you edit those shots. For real. You, there's not enough courses like that. Models, right? And he was like, actually, I tried to make a course. I wasn't good at marketing it. I was like, oh, my God, I can help you with the marketing part. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's just having those conversations and, like, getting excited about the people that you collaborate with. I agree. I definitely agree. It, and you should. You, you should feel excited and passionate about it. You just, you birth something better, and I feel like you pull more intellectually from it. I, with that in mind, a tagline that I've noticed you use outside of a podcasting environment, and that I mentioned earlier is that you help entrepreneurs get seen. What does that mean outside of the obvious aspect of it? Yeah, thank you for asking that. So kind of, I mentioned earlier that like, if somebody wants to start a podcast, even before I recommend doing that, I'm like, hey, why don't you get on other people's podcasts who are just starting? Mm-hmm. Or why don't you go on listennotes.com, type in whatever genre your specialty is, see who's talking about it, connect with those people online, have a conversation with those people, right? Mm-hmm. See who's already getting seen in your industry and interact with them or do an IG live with them. Do a Facebook Live with them. Do a recording with them. Have a coffee with them, right? I, I encourage that. And then from there, if you, you know, I, I've worked with, I had a, a best-selling author reach out to me, and she's super busy, and what her strength was is writing, but she wanted to be seen more than her 40,000 connections on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And so she said, hey, like, I've got a best-selling book. I've been on radio shows. I've been on a TED of podcasts. Can you help me reach some hard-to-reach people to get me some good blurbs for my book? Mm-hmm. I said, oh, well, one of those seven people that's already on your list, I'm already connected to. Oh, sweet. So, yes. And, yeah, she's actually really good. Like, she's a coach. She mm-hmm. was actually really good at helping me price my services. So I hadn't actually taken on that project before, but I knew I could do it. Mm-hmm. So she helped me price it. I agreed to the price. I felt like it was a good flat rate. It ended up going really well. I got her like five to seven blurbs like she Sweet. wanted. And then she hired me a second time. She ended up sponsoring my podcast because she was happy with my work. And then, you know, that led to me connecting with people in her community. Something that I'm hearing, and you've said this, you've kind of expressed this this aspect in two different instances. So the first time it was when you brought up sponsorships, which you weren't familiar with. But you went in, you did your homework, you trusted in the people around you, probably asked for help as needed, and you were able to get the job done. And then in this instance, where an author wants you to help grow their audience in terms of getting book blurbs and reaching people that maybe aren't in their general target market, I I think it goes to show people that you don't have to, and it's not saying that expertise isn't isn't needed because you do need to become proficient in what you're doing. But I think it just goes to show you that you can try new things and succeed at it if you really put the work in and go all in on this thing that you're learning how to do. So I think it's really awesome that you bring that up and that you were able to take both of those very different experiences and still come out with a quality product for the client. You know, I also can build a little bit more on that. When I got lucky enough or right place at the right time or right amount of tries, <laughs> this is another thing. Like, sometimes I've applied to a show multiple, multiple times before I got the yes. So Nanny 911 was actually an example of that. Like, I moved to L.A., really did not know anyone, 
since I had worked on the Jerry Springer show, I qualified to be in the producer's guild, but that was really my only show. So I applied to this guy who was a seasoned post-production producer for like a year straight. Finally, I was just like, oh, hell, I'm just going to write him a one-liner like, Bill Clinton's no longer looking for interns. This job sounds like fun. He (laughs) thought that was funny. I had written him thoughtful cover letters prior that just went into the, you know, black hole of nothingness. Mm -hmm. And so um, I wrote that. He thought that was funny. He was a huge Clinton fan. He called me in, interviewed me, and asked if I could start that night. I ended up working third shift my first season on Nanny 911 from wow. 7 at night till 7 in the morning for an entire season. I knew nothing about post-production. Literally nothing. I did not even know how to output a tape at the time. But he was just like, hey, if you produce the Jerry Springer show and you've gotten yourself into the Producers Guild and you've moved out here and the experience that he had already had, he'd been working in the industry for 30 years, he gave me a list of what needed to be done, mm-hmm. people that you know, here's the deliverables, call me if you have a problem. And he was very reachable, you know, but he was just kind of like, find your place, find where you're needed, talk to the editors, see how they need you. And that's what I did. You know, I talked to the transcriptionist, I talked to the assistant editors, I went into the edit bays and was a second pair of eyes. I realized too, that like nobody liked doing time cards and I was <laughs> you know. responsible for turning them in. So I was like, hey, you know what? Would it just be easier if I tracked your hours and fill out the whole thing for you and you just double check it and sign it? And it's so funny, but I was like, you know what? Like, I'm I'm not too proud. I will literally do that because it's something that, like, is on my list of things that it has to get done. Mm-hmm. And so I just realized it was so much easier to do that versus annoy people knocking on their doors, continuing, continuing to ask them to do it. And, you know, I... When I first moved to LA and knew no one, I'd worked on some like short films for free and I did like script supervising. But what was interesting is when I became a post-production supervisor, one of the things that I had to do was supervise voiceover sessions with the talent. Mm -hmm. And since I had been a post-production supervisor and done circle takes in the field, those skills came very useful when having to work with the talent and actually pick which tape we ended up using. So it's like, take some free stuff on the side, collaborate with people, even when you're not making the big bucks, you know, go do it clients and get some unpaid clients at the same time. You don't have to advertise that, but keep leaning into the things that light you up because it will make the other work that you're doing get better alongside it. It will in connections and word of mouth are so important. And all of those spaces that you went into, you made connections and um, from what you've said so far, it sounds like those connections have carried even to this day. So like doing all of those things does have value, even if you do something for free. I remember, so I didn't advertise it, but I took on a editing client for free. They they had an injury and I was like, you know what? Do you need help? And they're like, actually, yeah, I need you to edit my, um, condense my thesis into a journal submission and I did it for free and hey that is something that I helped that person get edited with my name on it that's another thing for me to put in my resume I took on a pro bono client for consulting and this client knows a lot of people in the community so yeah it's free services that I'm offering but it's for somebody who's actually really passionate about what they do and they take care of people who take care of them and there's power in that you know, I've even done things like, you know, um, I'll give you an hour of a LinkedIn makeover or mm-hmm. LinkedIn feedback or help you navigate for a review. Oh, I so, love that. Yeah. Something like that, you know, come up with different ways in which you can exercise things that you love to do for something that would help you too. It's also giving back too. I feel like people are more likely to just respond to you and want to work with you if they see that you like actively are okay with doing things for you within reason because there does need to be like a boundary (laughs) level there but I just I think it's great that you do that and I remember seeing in um I don't know if it was one of your podcasts or an article that I read that you were being interviewed in but you kind of mentioned that that you create communities and it's not just look at me this is the community that I've created but it's also what can I invest in this community to show them that I do care and that I am just as invested in them as they are in me. 
So I really love that aspect. And I did want to ask you, so you've spent a lot of time enriching other people on that note and highlighting their journey. What's the best piece of advice that you've personally ever been given? Yeah, I mean, I have to say, today's episode with Lily was so powerful. That girl who they told her that she wouldn't live past you. Mm -hmm. Don't accept somebody telling you that you can't do something. Because, you know, you're here for, for doing what your heart is speaking to you to do. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, all of those thoughts and all of those desires and all of those wants that you have is really your soul's calling. Don't let somebody else stop you from doing that. Agreed. Don't let somebody else's truth be your truth. You decide what your truth is. You yeah, do. I love that. I love that too. I You're the one that has to live in your body every day. You're the one that has to live your life. So just do the things and do your best and you don't have to adhere to anybody's box that they try to put you in and i just i think that's such a beautiful thing by the way when that drops if it drops before your episode i will put the links in the bio so other people can listen to it because i really want to hear <laughs> that episode that is so inspiring i mean the way that she described looking at those boulders in her path when doctors told her that, like, you can't walk, you can't lift weight, you can't gain muscles. And she was like, not only am I going to get up that one, but I'm going to get up the one behind it and behind it, and I see the top. You know what I mean? It's one freaking boulder at a time. Exactly. And when you look at it that way, it stops It stops feeling so arduous. It's just another thing that you got to do. There's always going to be another peak. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be another mountain. There's always going to be another test. There's always going to be another thing to, you know, move you in another direction. You just got to keep moving. I low-key feel like you took us to church today without realizing that you were going to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I love it. But no, Rena, this was an amazing episode. I, I enjoy every episode that I, that I do, but I don't think I've had this much fun in a very long time. So, Aww, so I appreciate that. Absolutely. And just thank you for coming on the show and for blessing us with your presence today. So if people want to find out more about, you know, how to keep up with the podcast, how to keep up with what you do, where would they go to do that? And I will also link it below as well when it when it airs. I am a LinkedIn-aholic. I think I even say that in my profile. So Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn. You can also find me on Instagram on the same name and bettercalldaddy.com. Sweet. And I will make sure that's included. Also, I'm so embarrassed. So I recently got a LinkedIn because people have been asking me to get one for years. They're like, you do all this stuff. You should have one. I'm like, but it's another thing that I have to create. So yeah, I don't know. You having one makes me more inclined to actually go and add things to it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Still organic traffic is really good there. It's a free tool. It's just another place that you can reach people and communicate with people. And to be honest, like, that's how I feel about TikTok. I'm like, oh, my God, it's another thing for me to learn. I'm like, my 11-year-old daughter is better at it than me. But here's the thing. You've got, you, honestly, you should just be everywhere so that people can at least message you there. Agreed. Even if you're not active there, just use it as a communication tool because what if there's somebody that's like a huge TikTok influencer on a subject matter that you want to cover and you can't reach them because you're not there? That's very true. That's a good point to make. I had to become comfortable with TikTok because I felt a very similar way. And it's like, I feel comfortable using it. I have like a production background and have done all kinds of editing. It's just exhausting to think about. But at the same time, it's a great platform and you can reach a completely different demographic in ways that you weren't able to do in other places. So I totally agree with that. Well, Rena, thank you again for coming on the show and for taking time with me today. And everyone else, thank you for listening. And until next time. 
Thank you to all of our listeners out there. As always, you are the most beloved and make all of this magic possible in the audacity of me. Happy Pride, everybody. I forgot to lead with that. (laughs) Happy Pride Month to everyone. I'm just going to briefly take a moment and go off on a tangent, so bear with me for a second. Um, There are a lot of people who aren't able to properly celebrate Pride the way they want, either because of life circumstances or because they're afraid, because of the people that they're around and it's not necessarily safe for them to acknowledge pride or to take part in the festivities of pride. I just want to tell every single person listening to this who may be part of the community or questioning or what have you, or even allies, pride is something that starts within and echoes outward. And I say that because regardless of whether you can take part in pride, you take part in pride every single day. This is a time of year where There's a lot of performative allyship that happens. There's a lot of commercialization. And in a way, like even going to Target and seeing rainbows and being able to buy queer cards, that's awesome. The representation does have merit and value. So I would never take that away from all of the representation that you see during Pride Month. However, I want you to know that you have pride regardless of your situation. Happy Pride to every single person around the world. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for all that you've personally had to navigate in your own life. Anybody in the community, um, it's, it's not easy. For some people, it's easier than others, but there's all kinds of things that we have to navigate as community members and that we might have to navigate tomorrow or next week or even next year. So I just want you to know that you are seen, you are loved, and I am giving you a big virtual hug in spirit. The Raindrop Corner podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all standard podcast streaming platforms. Until next time.